All right, welcome on into the show. My name is Denny Gallagher, and I'm going to waste no time here because I'm joined by the Snare Campaign Provocateur. And if you ever need somebody to check to see if you're on a world-class bender, it's this guy. It's Benny Horowitz. Yeah. What's up, dude? I've seen enough of him. I know what to look for. <laughs> Denny, Denny, tell me, your big week, your Milwaukee Bucks mm-hmm. winning. What happened? What happened to you this week? I thought you were going to be uh in the in the deer forest outside of the stadium um i thought you were gonna lose your mind a couple times what what happened to you this week leading up to the bucks championship okay so because you know i always have to remember that the audience for this podcast is very broad milwaukee bucks your 2021 nba champions uh as we speak the parade is happening down wisconsin avenue but let's rewind the clock let's go back to the beginning of this so game five happens and we're having Mm -hmm. these iconic Giannis moments uh we uh, first we had the block which was amazing and then Mm -hmm. we had the the drew holiday alley-oop uh steal and the alley-oop to Giannis uh to move the milwaukee bucks within one game of their first nba championship since 1971 it was uh-huh. after this when I purchased airline tickets to be in Milwaukee <laughs> for game six on Tuesday night. Well, guess what did not happen? Your wait, bo- wait, wait, wait. Let's turn back Turn back here. Yeah. So in what state are you in after game five, physically, emotionally, mentally, to be making airline ticket purchases? Are you drunk? I, you know, so I was very sober for this one. This was a sober decision. Okay. But this was also, I was drunk in the sense of, because, drunk you know. Power. I, what? Drunk, drunk of power? power. Absolutely. <laughs> um, no, but I was drunk in the sense that the moment was like, oh, my gosh, it's going to happen. I need to do this. It was the, an, an impulse buy for the ages. The, the I understand. Fo- the FOMO kicked in and everything. Probably so a I, cheap ticket, no? Eh, not really. Um <laughs> For for Milwaukee, not a cheap ticket. Let me tell you this right okay. now. Okay. And okay. and with the pandemic, you, you cannot get to Milwaukee from New York anymore, like easily, oh. like back in the day. Like it's hard now. So right. I buy this ticket and then, you know, I do the Sunday show with Amino Hass and Jason Jackson, NBA Radio. Check it out. If, if you're subscribed, great. If you're not, get there. Uh, and then they're talking about, yeah, I'm really feeling a game seven. And the pendulum of public opinion starts to swing. Chris Paul and Devin Booker aren't going to let this happen. This gets in the back of my mind, and I start thinking, did I really just spend XYZ amount of money to see the to Bucks see him lose? lose? Like, I would... I, I would be even more mad at, at myself if that was the state of e- uh, events. So Sunday night, cancel the ticket. Full refund. Oh, full refund. Oh. Which which is fine because I was working I was working game six anyway, and I was trying to figure out the logistics of, of, of how that would go if I'm tweeting, uh-huh. doing videos for Sirius, and in the Deer District. Probably not a good combination, okay? So then or- game... Having a man on the scene, you know. Well, also, a certain organization did not want to credential your boy. If I was in the arena with a free credential, oh, man, not even. Different story. You know, I'm not going to place blame on anybody. No backstage pass, Mm -mm. no Denny Gallagher. Right, exactly. Because, you know, I didn't pay for a basketball ticket once when I lived there. So it's like, I'm not going to pay for this now. Um, Big time, big time. (laughs) 
So then the game happens, and I'm I'm nervous as can be. Luckily, I had to be face down in the phone to make this content for the SiriusXM subscribers and the people of our social channels. So that's happening. But then we start to get closer and closer, and I had you know had to partake in all of my Milwaukee beers before and after. So mm. you're getting the premium content here, premium content. <laughs> I was. My value was has never been higher, and then everything you know. Giannis becomes a a version of Shaq over these few days. He 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 drops a fifty piece in the final. Middleton hits the clean the championship clinching shot, and only after Middleton hits the shot in the fourth quarter with about I don't know that was like a minute and change to go. Then I'm like six point game. Oh my god, the Bucks are gonna win their first NBA championship since 1971. And then bust out your Millers, your PBRs, your Lakefront Breweries, your Summer Shandies. And then it was off to the races after that. Quickly do this post-game reaction video for SiriusXM. Get that up. And then it's over. Could not fall asleep. So I'm just <laughs> out here drinking, not with a, such an adrenaline, watching everything. Head on down the North a- Avenue and... All by myself, because nobody in New Jersey gives a shit if the Milwaukee Bucks sure, won a championship. Sure. So I'm here, and then, you know... I'm, You're walking down Newark Avenue in Jersey City, drunk, looking for anyone to share this experience yeah, with. Basically. anybody. Literally, literally, <laughs> if somebody just would have said, Bucks, six. If, if anyone would have said the number six, I would have been, let's go. Yeah. Um. So I'm doing it's that. It's a little sad. It's a little sad. No, but I'm like FaceTiming people. I'm okay, FaceTiming okay. people in the Deer District, in everything, celebrating it virtually like we've come accustomed to over the past year. Um, and then I you know, I'm, 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 I, I, I get back and I'm FaceTiming and I'm like, oh, okay, this parade Thursday, let's party. So once again, buy the airfare to go oh, out to no, Milwaukee. You did it again? For today, for today. And then yesterday's happening, and I'm like, oh, my God, I'm going to have to be at Newark Airport at 5 o'clock. Oh and then I found God, out dude. that for some reason I was on standby for a 6 a.m. flight out of Newark. I'm like, oh, my, it's happening again. My bad decision is happening again. Luckily, the flight got delayed so to a point where I would have had seven minutes. I was I had to run through Detroit Airport get my connecting to Milwaukee to make it in time for this parade down Wisconsin Avenue that's happening right now. Needless to say, last night I was like, I'm not trying to wake up at 4 a.m. for this. Wow. Like, I love the Bucks, But canceled again. So two trips canceled, and now here I am doing the tune-up from my living room. Wow. Yeah. All right, Denny. Yeah. There's a lot to take in from the last <laughs> week of your life here. And I think you actually just showed the tune-up audience a lot about your personality in one story. Um, <laughs> that I'm impulsive? Can, can I give you some old man wisdom? Oh, please do. The next time? When you buy the ticket. Yeah. When you have the impulse. Yeah. In the situations you're in, you got to do the thing, man. Yeah. And you spent days mm-hmm. weighing, deliberating, being confused, being overwhelmed with your decision when if you just took that first one with a little more gusto, yeah, you would have made a uh, an epic experience for yourself. Take it from someone <laughs> who can't get out of the gray area of life. 
you can stay in this murky spot <laughs> a lot. And the thing you got to do every once in a while is trust your gut yeah. over your brain and take that leap of faith. Yeah. And next time when you make a dumb, rash, late night decision, you got to go through with got, it yeah. and just see what happens, brother. <laughs> That's my old man advice. But luckily, the everything refunded, not out any money because that was that was that was what I was on sweating last night. But oh, if this was pre-COVID, you would have lost those tickets twice. I know, I know. But <laughs> this championship for the city of Milwaukee, it's like listen, when most teams win a championship, it is not it it it, it it's about the basketball and that's it. Right. But a city like Milwaukee, as you know. A lot sure. of civic pride, a lot of Milwaukee versus the world because it's often overlooked by everybody that's never been there. So this is a moment to celebrate the city. This is a moment to celebrate the team in 1971 that's often overlooked in NBA history and really mm -hmm. to celebrate an organization that within you know the last decade, it was pretty dicey whether the Bucks would still be part of the NBA um, an improbable championship story over the last eight years with both the team's biggest superstar and the franchise itself. So, yeah, what an absolute week. Big ups to the city of Milwaukee, and I hope they can do it again. Yeah, like shower me in curds. <laughs> so we will get into the basketball angle of that. Just wanted to share what a what a what a clusterfuck I was this week. <laughs> um. But first, before we get into any more hijinks, let's get into This Day Music History. All right. Well, I got a few. I'm squeezing in a few. Please fast, do. Okay? Yeah. Because this happened to be a day where a lot happened. Now, first, a sad one. And this day was the day Amy Winehouse, mm. age 27, passed away. Now, I don't want to get into it too deep. It's a sad story. She's part of the... You know, 27 Club with Kurt Cobain and Janis Joplin, Jim Morrison, Brian Jones, on and on and on. Legends who couldn't make it past this. But I think a unique thing about her, and it's something that maybe people should discuss a little more, was Amy Winehouse came the way she was. This wasn't a matter of celebrity that turned her into this. Like, she was a, a, a singer who had substance abuse problems. Uh, and I guess accompanying emotional problems um, prior to her being famous. And literally the song that broke her was called Fucking Rehab. And I think uh, everyone saw it and partly loved it and partly fed it. And I feel so badly about hers more than others because what a strange place to live in celebrity, you know, when you go from somebody who's already having troubles, you're essentially uh, boosted and even amplified because of those troubles. It's part of your strange attraction to people. And then you come out on top and you still have the exact same troubles and they're probably even harder to deal with at that point. So I hope moving forward in the uh, spirit of Britney Spears, whatever the fuck is <laughs> happening there, yeah. that us as an audience can accept these things in a different way and try to offer a more open platform for what these artists are allowed to say. I think it might help. Okay. Now for the funny. Okay. okay let's do it. This is also the same day 
I never thought I would think something Sarah Palin did was funny. But in 2014, she gets a speeding ticket in her hometown of Wasilla, Alaska. She blames her excessive speed doing 63 and a 45 on Sammy Hagar's I Can't Drive 55, which was playing on her radio. So (laughs) Hagar gets word that this happened and he offered to cover the ticket for Sarah Palin. Pretty fucking funny. Uh, I don't think I would personally have the marbles to say that to a cop. So I enjoyed that. Now, the next one, this one is really important to me because I've talked a lot of shit in the past about it, (laughs) and I mean it a lot. In 2010, Kings of Leon, at a performance in St. Louis, abruptly left the stage complaining about a flurry of bird poop coming from a flock of pigeons chilling in the rafters, and the band never returns. (laughs) Now... I've thought about this a lot, okay? When it first happened, my instinct was, oh, my God, Kings of Leon, you gigantic wimps. (laughs) Like, you're on stage. You're one of the most famous bands in the world right now. Your songs and your records are flying. There's thousands, thousands of people, like, eager to see you, waiting to sing along to every word. And some fucking bird shit is going to take you off the stage? It's one of the craziest things I've ever seen, honestly. And one of the reasons it's so crazy is because I couldn't imagine in a thousand years doing it. I would literally play covered in bird shit. (laughs) I would catch it and throw it at the audience. You got to do something, but you don't walk off stage. (laughs) It's crazy to me. Danny, do you think you'd walk off stage if you took a little bird poop? Well, I mean, as someone who regularly takes bird poop on my runs here in Jersey, no, just kidding. Oh, no, probably <laughs> not. Probably, I, I mean, it's like it's like you got to deal with it. It's like what's more important to you? It's like that can wash off, but you know, yeah. to the the stain, the proverbial stain <laughs> that it would leave on your legacy or reputation of walking off, leaving That's hundreds right. of thousands of people disappointed, could never do that. Maybe That's them- the stain. That's the stain yeah. you got to worry about. Is that stain of embarrassment? I I couldn't agree more. They should have stuck it out. At least pulled like a, you know, Green Day at Woodstock (laughs) kind of thing. You know, people throwing mud, you throw some mud back. There's some birds pooping on you. Eh, You know, have some fun with it. Maybe get your uh, country singer to climb up the rafters and start (laughs) scaring the pigeons away. No one on the, I mean, they're in St. Louis. No one in that crowd has a BB gun or something, you know, come on. I think it's, you know, the same reason. it's for both of us. It's like it's like the Irish Catholic and like Jewish guilt, where it's like, oh, these people showed up. If I yeah. fucking leave, I'm just like, oh, dude, I would be, I would be head to toe covered in bird shit for like a crowd of about eight, because I would, I'd be like, no, 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 don't worry, don't worry, I'll take all the bird shit. Yeah, you're right, you're right. Maybe it's because they're from Tennessee and they just have that overprivileged uh, plains Christian kind of vibe, you know. These are not God's pigeons. These pigeons were sent by dark forces. Oh, man. You know, I had a perfect transition here, but it's gone. (laughs) Anyway, Benny, this day in 1964, what a great guess by your boy here. Uh, The Beatles 
Uh, we're number one with the single Hard Day's Night, which I figured was pretty fitting for this episode, considering I've had a hard day's, uh, hard day's couple of nights the past few days. So shout out to the Beatles. Uh, the new Paul McCartney, Rick Rubin documentary on Hulu. Pretty good if ah. you want to check it out. It's Paul McCartney 321, I, I believe. I will. All right, Benny. First headline today, and we would not be doing our job as a tune-up if we didn't get into the actual basketball of the NBA Finals. Regardless of who would have won, this would have been the show today. But since we're here, uh, we got got a lot of legacy talk today. But first, we're going to start off with Giannis, who became the youngest person ever to have an NBA Finals MVP, MVP, Most Improved Player, Defensive player of the year, and the most importantly of this is the MVPs. A prolific NBA Finals for Giannis. He, over the course of this series, found a gear where he was putting up a double-double every night, going for 40, 50 points. Really a level of performance that I've never seen watching him. Uh, Mike Boonholzer, another guy who was on the chopping block, really found out how to use this team and grew as a coach and all of a sudden yeah. he's listed up there in the coaching ranks with all-time names like Phil Jackson and Rudy Tomjanovich. So an, an, an incredible way for him to use this team. But let's get back to Giannis for a sec. A lot of people want to say that he's the face of the league, but what is your takeaway for what Giannis is in this league after this championship? Yeah, he's the face of the league now. I think I think it's like pretty simple what just happened. Um, we didn't see like uh, we didn't see someone falling into this. Mm. You know what I mean? We didn't see somebody who you're like, oh, go good, he got one. We saw someone go and take one. Yeah, which is at this age usually the sign that there's more to come. And I have like no uh, inkling in my body to think that this guy's going to slow down in any way for the next few years. And why should I? So with the way, you know, LeBron, you know, is hitting his age and tailing off a little. And uh, even if the Lakers have a successful run, you'd have to guess that AD could be the primary piece of that moving forward. Um, You know, Kevin Durant has not re-cemented himself in that way yet. Steph Curry hasn't re-cemented himself in that way yet. I think, the road is still there for players like that. But at this point in time, when you just watched one of the singular talents in the NBA, not only get through the playoffs, but substantially grow and step up and show things they weren't even capable of before the playoffs. Yeah. I think he's the face of the league. And to top it off, have you heard a negative thing about Giannis? No. In the last two, three days, four days, week, you know, like in this day and age where, I mean, literally you can take the most classically good thing that exists in the world. You can make a post about chocolate cake. You could make a post about ice cream. You could make a post about like babies laughing. Uh, You know, you can make a post about kittens cuddling together and napping. It's going to be some asshole who has something to say about it. You know what I mean? Nothing is safe these days. And the fact that I've gone through the last three days not seeing a negative comment from a pundit, an opposing fan, uh, you know, another player, you know, he's even getting ultimate respect from the rest of the league and other players. Everyone knows what he did. It's remarkable. 
And I think what just happened is probably the best thing the NBA could have possibly asked for because we're coming out of this era that the biggest complaint of the era is super teams. It is. It's these ideas that people built their own championship teams and they had an easier road and that uh, homegrown organic teams don't even stand a chance anymore, blah, blah, blah. And you literally just watched it turned on its ear, you know, uh, a, a city believing in a player, a player believing in a city, one of those random things that actually works and 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 got there. And I think it's the best thing that possibly could happen in the league, even with uh, a smaller city like Milwaukee, but as you said, who has just this insane fan base. So for my long-winded question, yes, Giannis Antetokounmpo is now the face of the NBA. See, okay, man, I, you know, I'm, I'm trying to stick with the optimistic here. This is an all-time moment. This was an all-time performance, um, and he he became only the seventh player ever to go for 50 points in an NBA Finals game. That's insane to me. I struggle with this conversation, and you know this, with the face of the league concept because I think it's so – and it like I know what it's rooted in. I, I know that it's rooted in the fact that Jerry West is the logo, and ever since then we've had to have a face of a league like Magic and Larry. We've had mm. to have, you know, like like Michael, LeBron, Kobe, like like all of those things, right? But I think it's like a really antiquated concept with how many stars we have in this league and how global it is. The face of the league for you may not be the face of the league for me. But in this particular moment, um, because like last year we, we were talking about Anthony Davis and LeBron and they get hurt. So it's such it's such a transient conversation that it's hard for me. But right now. Going forward, you know, he's, he's a bankable young star. I can see how people saying that he's the face of the league right now. Well, let's 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 make it easy for everyone, you know? Yeah. All it takes to correct this problem for, for everyone is to add an S. Just add an S and you go faces of the league. Mm. And then we're good, right? I mean, and it's true. I think you're right. Uh, and it stems from this Jerry West idea, the, you know, Jordan idea that we always are passing through an era and an era of basketball when, you know, certain people dominate for extended periods of time. I guess we're pretty accustomed to that. But, uh, you know, jumping off from the conversation we had last week, uh, we might be in a bit of a new NBA. Like all these efforts to have parity in the league might have worked a little. Mm. Um, and the fact that we saw Toronto get through a couple years ago was sort of a you know, quickly patchwork team. And now you're seeing Milwaukee, a homegrown team pop through when a couple super teams failed, you know, it's, uh, it, it's part of it, but the same thing that would come with parody is more stars, you know, and more teams who have the ability to break through in any given year. So I'm with you. Let's ditch the antiquated concept. I'm on board. And before we move on from this topic, man, I just, it is incredible to me over and, and oh, we and, can't move on. Okay, we can't move on. I got more. Okay, great. <laughs> the thing about the Giannis conversation is, you, you know how when you see something that is like a larger narrative and you kind of can't believe each step is happening. That's yeah. how I really felt during this entire Giannis experience mm. uh, from the kid who stepped in and was 
dunking in three steps as he crossed midcourt, and you're like, oh my God, this is amazing to see. How is nobody talking about this? To the way he transformed his body, and I'm like, oh my God, to jumping over, you know, to that dunk in Madison Square Garden, and you're like, okay, this right. is... So it's been this constant evolution, because I would, like, watch every single Bucks game, like, it, it's kind of like when you see, like, a little kid, right, and you see them every day, and you're like, oh, this growth isn't surprising to me. And then, hmm. but as compared to the kid that you don't see, and you're like, oh, my God, he's, like, a, he's in high school already? That's <laughs> right. exactly what this is right now. I kind of can't believe where we are with this. Like, I never, like, I've loved Giannis since they drafted him. I was like, oh, this is super exciting, right? But I never thought he would be putting up Shaq numbers, yet alone Will Chamberlain numbers, yet alone that there's a guy who can put up Shaq and Wilt Chamberlain-type numbers in an NBA Finals. It's just, it, it's insane to me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's wild. And I think, too, you know, what's interesting about what you're talking about is, but, you know, he was almost like, clay when he came in mm, you know yeah. you knew he could do certain things but the way his game was gonna go was kind of anybody's guess in a lot of ways and if you asked me a couple years ago i would have envisioned his future maybe more as a passing big man you know like uh someone who does handle the ball all the time someone who will eventually adopt a three-point shot someone who may not need a point guard you know in the style of lebron james or something so in the last couple of years for him to completely redefine that as well and understand how useful his game can be close to the hoop, uh, you know, if, if this free throw thing keeps up, I mean, the Shaq comparison is right in the idea that I haven't seen a more unstoppable post player since where if you get the ball within a certain type of the hoop, I don't care how many guys you're throwing on him. He's either putting it down or he's getting it fouled. That's it, you know, and deal with that if you can. <laughs> so I want to bring up one other thing. Okay. Yeah. You've been on Instagram this morning. A little bit. Have you seen Giannis's Instagram stories? Oh, I watched his Instagram live yesterday. Yeah. Okay. From Chick-fil-A. Okay. So I want to talk about this. Yeah. I want to talk about him going to Chick-fil-A. I don't know what a chicken mini is. What is it like a slider? I think it's like nuggets, right? Oh, those are nugs. I think so. Okay, I didn't know. I thought it was like a White Castle <laughs> style slider. I've never been to a Chick-fil-A for a number of reasons, but moving past that. <laughs> now, the thing I want to investigate about this video on Instagram, there's some layers to it that really show, I think, one of the reasons why Giannis is so easy to like. The first thing I notice is that there's just it's a guy with pure joy, mm -hmm. right? He's out there. He's driving himself. He's talking to the people. And you can see that there's like there's no walls up. You know what I mean? That guy really seems to not see himself in a different light than all the people around him. And that's really nice. It's something that's always attracted me to athletes or musicians or stars of any kind. You know, like the idea that, yes, you are uniquely great at something, but you're still a human on this earth. That's important to me. And it's nice to see. And when you see him out there, there's no script. There's nothing fake about it. It's just a really like open and honest dude out in the public, which I really appreciate. Second thing I appreciate, clearly a guy who does drive through a lot <laughs> and clearly a person who drives themselves through drive through. Like he knew the protocol, you know, he knew 
exactly when to order. He knew the timing. He knew how to order, which, again, is an indication that Giannis is a man out there in the streets. Okay. Third thing that impressed me. He asked permission for the woman taking his order to put her on camera. Very classy. Not many people his age in that scenario would immediately consider another person and their feelings and what they would like. So the idea that in the midst of this mania and him trying to do this video, knowing 150,000 people are watching, and he still takes the time to be like, hey, do you mind if I put you on camera? I mean, come on, class. Now, fourth thing I like, yeah. the drink order. Mm, yeah, let's okay? get Okay, a large, no ice, half Sprite, half lemonade. Now, A, I appreciate the uniqueness. That actually sounds pretty good. You know, like a nice, sweet, like bubbly Sprite. I'm kind of into it. It's actually a European style beverage almost because mm. they make like fruit drinks with bubbles there. So I'd imagine he might have grown up on something that tastes similar. But the thing about it that, that showed me something was no ice is the sign of a person who came with no money. Okay. Really? And anyone who has to scrape dollars learns this trick and you learn it young because it's the classic trick of the soft drink industry to fill your damn cup with ice, throw this tiny little bit of syrup in, and then you're just basically getting slightly sugared soda water that is not worth the price. No ice, you're getting a lot more bang for your buck. And again, it's proof that Giannis is a man of the people. I think at this point, you're seeing him do these chants, uh, bucks and six with all the people on the street. Guy could be fucking mayor, <laughs> senator, governor. Bring him up. Well, okay. I want to get on, on this conversation about the ice thing. I agree. <laughs> if you get the refill cup, right, first drink, no ice. But then when you're, like, leaving, right, if the oh, ice right. is yeah. free, then you fill it up, water, you've got three drinks there. Because there's that's your first true. cup of water, so I feel like that's the b- biggest way to spread your your <laughs> whatever. Um, but the I I was watching the, his IG live at Chick Fil A yesterday, and I was there was a couple things, you know, there's like the highlights of of that, right? There's him ordering the fifty piece McNugget after going for fifty, awesome. Mm-hmm. But what is amazing to me is the fact how now I've been to that very Chick-fil-A. It's in Brookfield, oh, okay. Wisconsin, not close to downtown, uh, oh. which shows like where he lives. Not exactly a place where people are walking up and down the sidewalk. So the fact that that many people found him at a Chick-fil-A in a pretty suburban neighborhood, I would oh. compare it to like, I don't know. So like, did the people know this is Giannis's Chick-fil-A? Oh, maybe. See, that's scary. That's when you have to move. I mean, but again, man of the people, yeah. you know, like like uh, like the Mannings still having that house right in downtown, right. you know, like sometimes <laughs> sometimes in the small town, you can get away with it. I think if you make yourself available to the community like that, maybe uh, when people see you, it's not such a frenzy, you know? Yeah. And, you know, he's he, he's he's been very good um, about if there's photographers asking not to photograph his family, which is important. Um, he's done very good protecting his son, Liam, and his fiance. For someone that's 26 years old, man, you don't see that. You don't see somebody that uh, that is that aged um, and, and, and that wise. And then 
you know, you touched on that. This has happened since the last time that we talked with Giannis. These press conference gems that have been yeah. Shaquille O'Neal-ish meets like some sort of sage old man where, where he's saying right. that when you focus on what happened in the past, that's your ego. Yeah. But when you focus on what's going to happen, that's your pride. And uh-huh. then my favorite one is when he was calling out the super teams in the post-game sure. press conference after he left. He's like, we did it the hard way. Well, I'm glad you brought that up because that was my oh, next point. Down. Okay. Now, I heard this part of it, of course. Uh-huh. I know exactly who it's directed for, of course. <laughs> I remember the feeling of KD being at that last Warriors parade and every single person there, including him, knowing he wasn't going to be there anymore. And it was kind of strange. And obviously it's like, are you erecting Kevin Durant statues in Golden State? Probably not. You know what I mean? Just because it doesn't mean as much. And that's true. Giannis is like about the only, he's one of like three players in the league who's good enough and actually in a real enough position to contend who can even say what he said. And I kind of love that he did it. Because doesn't this just set the tone for next season? You know, like the Bucks versus the Nets has this narrative behind it. The Bucks versus the Lakers has this narrative behind it. You know, not the Clippers next year, but any of these teams that uh, put together stars in an effort to win are uh, in Giannis's sights. But here's the one thing I want to slow down just a little, okay? Mm-hmm. I know it's a pretty narrative because Middleton and Giannis both like came up with the Bucks mm-hmm. as kids. Middleton was not a draft pick. They still went out this offseason knowing their homegrown team wasn't enough. And they gave up, you know, licensed their depth and licensed their future to get Drew Holiday to create their own version of a big three. Like this still happened. You know, um, so to take them completely out of like the modern NBA narrative, like all of these guys are just these homegrown Milwaukee things who grew up together. Like, you know, we're talking about this like uh, 50s doo-wop kind of story. Hmm. Not quite. They still played big business and they still, you know, hijacked the player off another team and gave up 100 picks to do it. So they're kind of guilty as well, a little and the other thing I want to oh, forget, you know, I got a thing on that just real okay. quick. Yeah, go, go, go. The Drew Holiday trade, I really think that that's different than you know Kevin Durant um, and Kyrie teaming up oh, and bringing. Oh, in it's James different Harden. than them, but is it different than the Nets going to get James Harden? Yeah, because Drew Holiday oh. wasn't a guaranteed commodity. What do you mean? If he wasn't a commodity, why did they have no, to give up like, six draft picks like, to get him? You're not. Drew Holiday, right? Not not considered a top twenty player. So I I, I kind of think the definition of super team is like okay, we're getting a bunch of top fifteen guys together and we're gonna go try to a title. If you are talking about getting a a guy who services a need, I don't think that that's building a super team. That's just building a team that you think is gonna be cohesive. Well, I think you're the the thing and the point I'm trying to make. You, I think you just kind of made for me. 
Okay. Which is like, where do you draw the line of what's a super team and what's not? And Milwaukee came close. Okay. Very close. Like that's the idea is that like a lot of people do this and they did it too. That's the only point I'm making here. The other point I want to make, you know, since, you know, the last three, four days, all of a sudden, you know, everybody has revisionist history, right? Mm Mm-hmm. And the one thing I want to remind Milwaukee Bucks fans is that this genius coach who made these adjustments in the finals and put Drew Holiday on Chris Paul and and made some some things that markedly helped the team, I mean, he was one toenail away from getting fired. Yeah. Let's remember this. He was one Kevin Durant big toe away from being fired as the Milwaukee Bucks coach, right? Most likely. Yeah. So, like, you know... The one thing I like to move forward, I guess it's kind of mean to Milwaukee fans or whatever, is just like slow a roll a little. You had a great run. Oh, hold no. I'm but not. You almost died. I am not tolerating this because I see exactly what you're trying to do sneakily. And this is the thing that every single Nets fan that I know, they've, Nets fans are acting like the Bucks are leasing this title. And it's like, <laughs> get off. Get off it. Y'all still haven't won a championship. Anything can happen, I'm especially with you. I'm if this with year. You. I'm I walk with you. in, Han, let me tell you this story. I walk into the bagel store that you know right down the street, and I'm wearing uh-huh. this hat yesterday. And, and the guy, a Nets fan, is like, take that hat off. I'm like, I didn't know that two former bottom feeders of the league had beef like this. Oh, so yeah, I guess I, they do now. I am sick of this. Wait, was it Homeboy with the ponytail? It yeah. works there? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know. We talk that <laughs> a lot. <laughs> so, number one, like, do not. I don't think there's any – it is impossible to call a Bucks fan a front runner, like a genuine, genuine Bucks oh, fan that's 100%. been here for a minute. And the fact that the Nets fans have beef with this, which I feel like that's that's the Nets like, narrative because when I was younger, it was the beef with, with the Celtics and, like, Paul Pierce and the Antoine Jameson. And then – the rival never stays the same. It always keeps, and that is that is not normal behavior for a sports fan. Your rival cannot change. I think you're projecting a little bit. Okay. You're projecting a little bit, but this conversation is exactly the reason this was good for the NBA. <laughs> and what Giannis said in his post-game conference was good for the NBA. You know what I mean? Like, these games are now a heightened thing for next season. Rivalries start in strange ways you know it's it's gonna be fun in the future yeah but i just want to touch on okay so we're gonna do mike boonholzer here and then chris paul devin booker and and then we'll get to the suns and what's next for them real quick um the 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 mike boonholzer conversation that you brought up i think is super interesting because it is amazing he he is a coach that for the entire postseason, was not making the correct adjustments. And I said this on on the show. Um, He seemed to not have answers for things. And then all of a sudden we get to the finals, and he's doing exactly what that big salary pays him him to do, so much so that by Game 7, Bryn Forbes was a DMP, and Jeff T got two minutes. So I just think the the way we talk about coaches and – 
you know, the very reason we do this podcast is to be prisoner prisoner of the moment and to like say things as soon as they happen. So I don't know how I feel about Coach Bud going forward. I know that he's going to be this team's coach for life or as long as he wants the job. Because look at Rick Carlisle. He hasn't won a playoff series since 2011, and he, he just left Dallas. So it's a it's a tough conversation. But you can't fire the guy that wins you your first championship in 50 years. Yeah, yeah. It's the same reason uh, uh, outgoing presidents start wars the last year <laughs> of their tenure. No. You know, because people will be afraid to switch when something is going on. They're clearly not switching coaches now. Um, but like you said, it's this is like the most fickle thing in sports Yeah, is blaming the coach, right? Yeah. And as we noted in the last thing, this wasn't even just a Nets thing. It was the fact that you're really close to being a genius and a and a dummy, you know, in in it takes one inch of a person's toenail to be the smartest coach in the league to being the dumbest team in the league, as they were called. Yeah. So I think it just really lends itself to like the ridiculousness of kind of the the culture we're in where like, you know, even we're going to get to it with Chris Paul, like even the fact that there's just small margins of error one way or the other are the reason he's not a champion. And, and the reason that his legacy is going to be seen in a completely different way. And if you go back and listen to this show, I have criticized everybody that's made this championship happen. I've criticized John Horst. I've criticized Mike Budenholzer, Drew Holiday, Chris Middleton, and Chris Middleton hits arguably the biggest shot in Bucks history. So it just goes to show we're just out here having fun with this. And nobody, <laughs> nobody, you can be the smartest guy in the world and you'll get things wrong. That's right. Actually, the, I think the smartest people in the world are Reserve the ones judgment. you know they can get things yeah. wrong, right? Yeah, so... Humility despite a championship. But let's turn the tables now to Chris Paul, who, man, I, I honestly feel really bad for Chris Paul. He is has blown yet another 2-0 series lead, though some of these, you know, you can say are, are his fault. Injury definitely got in the way. But, Benny, I want to get your take. What is the Chris Paul legacy right now? He's, he's among – he's on the list now. He's Carl Malone. He's yeah. John Stockton. He's Elgin Baylor. He's Charles Barkley. You know, he's now going to, I have a hard time seeing him. I mean, I had a hard time seeing him at 36 going to a finals with the sun. So who knows? You know, I wrote him off when he was 34 with Oklahoma city. Yeah. But, um, I think his probable most immediate future is on that list Unless next season happens and he can manage to pull like a Jason kid with Dallas, you know, like I think he's going to have to find a way to minimize his importance and his role on this team in the next year or two. If he's going to get that ring. And do you see Chris Paul restructuring a contract for Phoenix? Take a little less money and maybe get another piece in there. Something like that. Someone to take a little pressure off him. I think what Drew Holiday did to him in the offseason is going to be used as a precursor for anyone who wants to shut down Chris Paul. You put a real physical guard on him, you know, for 35, 40 minutes a game and really beat him up. It's going to take its toll in a playoff series. And he's he's in that position now. So um, I, I think 80 to 90 percent chance he's just going to wind up on that list of one of the all time great NBA players who couldn't bring one home. 
I think that there's also a chance that he moves a little bit north and a little bit west next season to end up at Staples Center again playing for the Lakers with LeBron, which that would boy, if you want to talk about a team with a lot of injury problems. See, that's why that's Yeah, but doesn't the, that just scream? Doesn't yeah. it just scream Gary Payton and Carl Malone? Yeah. It does. It screams the same exact thing. These guys the end of their career trying to jump on these teams and push it to happen. I mean, if I was Chris Paul, State he Park. built something amazing in Phoenix this year. Where are you going to find two more budding, you know, players than Booker and Aiton? Like, mm. I think he's crazy if he leaves us. Yeah, DeAndre Aiton is moldable. I think he's going to learn from how Giannis exposed him, and For I don't sure. think that's going to happen again. I think Monty Williams is the right guy to teach him that. And then Devin Book, I'm really excited for this evolution i hope he gets more consistent in the off season um but yeah i i hope chris paul stays in in phoenix because i feel like you know they're right there even if the western conference is fully healthy yeah and i think it's their best chance you know there's small components people always don't think about too and the one with la that really gives me the fritzes here when people talk about it so what are you doing with dennis schroeder now because that's one of those guys that like Dennis Schroeder needs to feel like he's important on a team to play well. Mm. You know, that's like, I think he's proved himself in the last few years as someone who's like not willing to take a complimentary role. And the teams that he's going to succeed on are the ones that are really going to try to put the ball in his hands a little bit. So, you know, you bring in Chris Paul to that, that falls apart. It just does not seem like a good thing to me at all. All right, Benny. It's, it's about that time of the podcast where we give you one more take, one more opinion in a segment we like to call the Tuna Encore. Can I get an encore? Do you want more? All right, listen. I feel a little bad about last week. I got to talk to you about it. Okay. We made it the video. <laughs> I had heard a couple podcasts that week that really, I heard Jeff Passan talking. I heard some baseball experts talking, just talking about the way the Yankees have no chance this year and that there needs to be changes and this lineup is so imperfect. I got to be honest with you. I don't feel good about it. And I don't feel good about telling Yankees fans to check out of this season. You know why? Why? Because they've won a few games (laughs) and I'm right back there with them. (laughs) And I don't care about all the other stuff. And I retract last week. I do. I don't care about these nerds. I don't care about Jeff Passan. You know what? We're (laughs) fans. Every day they hit the field, I want to see them win. And I completely retract what I said last week. Keep going to the stadium. Keep loving our Yanks because I'm right back there with you. I was a little too in my head last week. I'm looking at the numbers. And I left my heart off the field. Put my heart back on the field. I don't give a shit. I want the Yankees to win every game I see, and I'm going to cheer for him to do it. So I'm back. I'm back to being a dumb, irrational Yankees fan, and I apologize. I love the humility that we've shown this week. I feel like it's really – we're showing growth. We're showing a lot of growth. We are. We're like we're like Giannis. <laughs> All right, Benny, for my encore this week, I want to get into the Tokyo Olympics and one very tiny detail about the organizing that I think is very interesting and actually kind of dangerous. So hmm. the Tokyo's Olympic Committee has decided – 
that they want to be green this Olympics. And one way they're trying to cut down on waste is by introducing these cardboard, hard cardboard bed frames for the athletes. There are extensions for people that are longer. But in essence, these beds are made out of cardboard. So if you meet a particular athlete that, you know, you got, and you guys hit it off and you guys want to go uh, make oh future Olympians, is... you're, you're about to end up on the floor. Your first thought was intercourse? I mean, I feel like we wouldn't be doing our job if, if that wasn't my first thought. All right, let me see. I'm Googling this image right now. And as an old man, <laughs> I'll tell you. I'll tell you if this is going to hold up. Lumbar support? Cardboard beds at the Olympics. Oh, geez. Yeah, <laughs> those don't look strong. So are they telling people to not have sex at the Olympics? Because I think you might be right. Yeah. This isn't going to hold up. So much so... They're not even, there's not even like a condom distribution center or like contraception. Right. So, so they are really just like letting um, some of the fittest people in the world, some of the most attractive, slender, built people in the world be together in an Olympic vis- village that they can't leave because of COVID reasons with a bed that will fall on the floor and no condoms. Boy, this is this about to be super interesting, but it's also dangerous because it's like if, you know, diseases can travel. Well, I, that, that's going a little too far. Oh, the one oh, thing we're forgetting about this, though, this is before. like, you know, not everyone has sex in the bed, my friend. And these, as you said, these are young, virile people. If the sex is to be had, they will find a way. <laughs> virile we want to know what you think about, you know, the Olympic bed situation, NBA, any stuff. I am curious. By the way, we got a great email from Neil, our, our guy, friend of the show, uh, congratulating me on the Bucks championship. I'm the only oh, Bucks fan nice. he knows. Um, so shout out to Neil Classy. for the email. Classy guy, Neil. Neil's awesome. We love Neil. <laughs> um, and if you want to hit up... Neil M- fears no deer. No, Neil, Neil, when we sent out that Yankee video, he was like, come on, what are you doing? And Neil, we're yeah. trying to get views. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Players get in contact with the show. You can email us at the tuneuppodcast at gmail.com. Two P's in there. Uh, if you want to see all of our content, we are at the HQ on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. If you, want, if you want to follow the big man, he is at Benny Horowitz1, number one in your mind, number one in your heart. Number one on Twitter, I'm at Denny underscore Gallagher. Benny, you got anything else? You know what I always used to say? Squeaky wheel gets the grease. The show has ended. Go in peace. (laughs) Bucks and six. You've been listening to the tune-up.